Welcome to Step Into the Story, incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Well, welcome to Step Into the Story. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Each time we get together, we meet with a, a, a guest and we explore the intersection of God's story and their story. And today, for some of you, you will recognize the name Jennifer Dukes Lee, um, certainly a, a, a well-known and increasingly well-known author, uh, a gifted speaker. And um, for some of you, this is gonna be a, a great reunion. For many of us, like me, this is my first time getting to sit down and get to know Jennifer. And uh, even just in the pre-call uh, about this conversation, I feel like I'm meeting a new friend and I hope that that's your experience with us today too. Jennifer, welcome to Step Into the Story. This is so fun. I am super excited to be here. Uh, this is gonna be a good one. Uh, Jennifer, you describe yourself somewhere on your website um, as, uh, I, I love the description, um, you say, I write, I embarrass my kids. Um, I looked for a period after I write, and there was indeed one there. I, I wonder if those two couldn't be merged into one statement, kind of like I teach and I embarrass my kids, but um, at least your kids have probably editorial privileges more than when you're speaking out loud. But then you say, I love 80s music. I exercise mostly because I wanna support my queso habit. Ding, another thing we have in common right there. And then I love this statement, Jesus saved my life once upon a time, and then he kept doing it every single day since then. And that is the driving motivation, I think, behind your life and ministry. Um, tell us some about about your family. I, I know you and Scott have a couple of kids, but um, give us some details behind that. Oh, I, I'm happy to. Scott and I met at Iowa State University, and he went on to law school at Drake, and Drake University is in Des Moines, Iowa. And I, I told God, I'm never going to live uh, in a small town again. I'm getting to the big city. Um, and then, of course, I fall in love with a farmer. And he didn't really want to live on a farm either. Um, but we ended up coming back to the family farm years later and raising our family right here on this fifth generation family farm. It was a surprise to both of us how God led us to this place. And now we are the parents of two daughters. Uh, one is at Iowa State University. Wow. <laughs> it runs in the family and she's studying music and English there. And then our younger daughter is finishing up high school in three years. She's doing her junior and senior year together right now. And she's also headed to Iowa State University in the fall. So we're about at that empty nest stage. Wow. Go Cyclones. Good stuff. That's right. <laughs> um, Iowa is a big part of, of my roots. Um, I grew up in, in Illinois, which is obviously a neighboring state, but both sets of my grandparents were Iowans. And um, not far from where a lot of your life has taken place. My dad's parents lived in Sheraton, which is not that far from Des Moines, the home of Hy-Vee, where there's a helpful smile Absolutely. in every aisle. Um, and then my uh, mom's parents, I think, live probably pretty close to where you currently live on, on your farm. They were from Esterville 
Iowa, way up um, in, in that northwest corner. So I feel like I'm having a an Iowa reunion with you today. It this is. is great. I think if we dug down, there we'd be just steps away from like having a common connection. I'm almost certain of it. It's the Iowa way. You're just always a few steps off of knowing somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody we might we may even be related it's highly we can, it's we can highly figure possible. out that we're related <laughs> yeah because there are more pigs than people in iowa so the population is that not that vast to dilute the gene pool um i i love the way you describe yourself you say i'm a storyteller and a grace dweller daily saved by god's amazing grace I, you know there's so many people who view salvation as an event, and certainly it is. There's a moment when we pass from death to life, from separation um, from God to becoming his friend, but it's an ongoing thing. And I love the, I love the process dimension that you, be, that you bring to all that. Um, you well, also you. say, I'm a big fan of dark chocolate emojis, 80s music, bright lipstick, and Netflix binges. I can't go five for five on that one. We'll let our listeners figure out which one of those to skip. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's bright lipstick. Um, but pretty much everything else. And then I love this. My husband and I are raising crops, pigs, a herd of cats, and two beautiful humans on the Lee family farm. Uh, let's dig into that story so so Scott was headed down the legal route, and um, I know I know you spent a good amount of time as a political reporter um, for the Des Moines Register. Um, how did how did that change? Who who got the impulse first? Who received the first email from God about hey? City life is not for you. Green Acres is the place to be. Um, who who did that come to first? You know, and honestly, I talk about God leading us here, but I don't think either of us recognized God's hand in it at the time. But you know how in reverse you can see how God was uh, was leading you all along, mm -hmm. because uh, quite honestly, we were on um, the Jennifer and Scott Lee show. And um, making decisions based on our needs and our wants. And God captured our hearts not long after we moved to the farm. But before moving to the farm, we were very committed to career and to status and uh, being successful. Uh, and we were those things. We were succeeding in those areas. Um, but a couple things happened. One of which is I got pregnant and um, we both began to really question how in the world we were going to continue to run at the pace that we were running and um, be parents. And really, how was our marriage even gonna, going to survive? We were like two ships passing in the night. And, you know, this farm was always, you know, sitting here as a possibility, but honestly, not one that we were really considering until we were about to become parents. And then another thing happened, Phil, and that is um, September 11th of mm -hmm. 2001. Wow. And it had a way of reorienting and reprioritizing things. And we were already kind of coming into that age of life where you begin to question what is the meaning of life and what is my purpose and all those sorts of things. And that moment in history had a way of shaking us to the things that mattered most. And it, you know, it wasn't but a year later that we were building a home on this fifth generation family farm. Mm. 
that's pretty cool. That's I, I knew it was a process, and mm-hmm. it's it sounds as if God was really revealing that to both of you, kind of on parallel tracks, and then you were like, "Hey, this is this is right." It was, and you know, I remember not long after we moved here, a photographer from the Des Moines Register came here to do. Uh, I was to do a write an essay for the Sunday opinion section on basically moving back home, doing something I never said I would do. And they came to take a photo of our, of our family. Um, the children were very, very small and we were holding them. And I remember looking at that photographer and thinking about all of the things that my colleagues, bosses, professors, and friends were telling us. And that is you guys are making a big mistake. Mm. You are throwing away so much potential. You're right on the cusp of something great uh, think about all that money you spent on law, law school. Like what, are, you know, really, does this make sense? And I remember in that moment, having that picture taken and thinking, what if they're right? What, sure. if, what if we, what if we made a really bad choice here? What if we did throw some really important things away? And it was a lot of years before I began to ask a different question. And that question being, what if they're wrong? Because they weren't living that life that was rubbing us raw. We were the ones and we were the ones that were going to pay the price. And I didn't see God's hand in it until much later, years down the road to see, you know, how God used this place and those slowed down moments of life and like stripping all the other stuff out and setting it aside um, and really revealing himself to us in powerful, life-changing ways. Mm. So we're probably going back in the story a little bit, but uh, what was the process by which you originally became a, a Christ follower? I mean, what's your what's your family background related to God and, and church and all that good stuff? I grew up in a little town called Marathon, Iowa, and we lived in the same house all of my growing up years, and it was one block away from the United Methodist Church. And I walked to that church every Sunday and a lot of other days in between. Our lives were centered around the church and the activities of the church, around Bible camps and Bible schools and Sunday school and Christmas pageants and all of those iconic things that you think about that happen in like church basements and potlucks. And, you know, I mean, really immersed in the church itself. But I remember at a very young age, um, probably 15 or 16 years old, wondering, is this, is any of this even real? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I just am not convinced it's real. Scientifically, it just doesn't make sense that Jesus rose from a tomb. In fact, I'm not even sure, this is what I would say to myself, I'm not even sure Jesus has existed as a historical figure. So um, it, and, and I was, I was encountered in that small community with a lot of death um, because we knew everybody. Right. And I remember going to the Sleaford funeral home and looking in of the caskets of these old people who used to be my teachers and my 4-H leaders and, you know, people who were in the church choir and seeing their body and not being able to match up what I was told about the faith with the fact that this person was in a casket. Right. It was just mm. it was just blowing my mind. I couldn't I couldn't handle it and I couldn't deal with it. And, you know, there's a lot of people who will say, oh, you, you got to pull your your faith from your head to your heart. But for me, it was the reverse. I wanted in my heart 
to believe that the stories were true. I'm like, God, please. I just, if if you're real, just do something, show me something. I wanted to get it from here up into my head uh, because I just intellectually couldn't buy, buy into the whole idea. So then I go off to college and stepped into uh, the door of a church, like maybe the first Sunday. And then I just quit going to church Mm -hmm. and I quit read. I mean, I really didn't read my Bible a whole lot before that anyway, but I certainly wasn't in college. And I put my whole energy and all of my focus into my career and into personal success and the next step on the ladder and all those sorts of things. And I remember one time at night, I turned to Scott and I'm like, do you ever, do you ever doubt like the existence of God? And he's like, no, I don't. (laughs) And that was the end of the story. And I'm like, it was, it was the first time like I'd ever voiced it. It felt so shameful to, because I should in quotes, believe these stories, but I, I just couldn't get it. And then I started, uh, uh, one of my jobs at the, at the register was to, I was kind of like a roving reporter. So if there was a tornado, I would like be in the car at five o'clock the next morning and Mm. head to town or a fire somewhere or just something, anything at all. There were a lot of long drives around Iowa and I happened upon AM radio and I would listen to um, different Christian speakers, um, kind of like what we're doing here, but right, in radio right. format, um, talking about Jesus in a way that really touched something in me. And their faith seemed so genuine, and they really believed, and it was so intriguing to me. And they'd kind of do these sort of altar calls on the on these Christian radio programs, and I'd be like, "I'm in, yes, praise Jesus." You know, I am driving a, down I'm the highway. There you go. <laughs> driving down the highway, and then I'm like, "Okay, God, now now am I supposed to feel different? I I did all the right things, and I didn't really feel different." So, you know, it'd be another news assignment. And I figured, well, if once is good, 50 times is better. So I'm just going to keep giving my life to the Lord. Just kept saying, I'm in, I'm in. And I finally started reading the Bible for myself. Um, Still not fully convinced, still just very deep in doubt. And I came across Thomas, who I'd always heard kind of vilified as doubting Mm -hmm. Thomas. And I'm like, I love this guy. This guy is great. He asks really great questions. He would have made an excellent news reporter. And I loved how Jesus answered his questions. Right. He didn't like, he didn't just blow him off. He, I mean, it's the reason we have answers. Like I am the way and the truth and the life, like things that we cling to today that Jesus said were responses to a doubter's questions. That's and right. suddenly Jesus became real to me. And I'm like, so, so what you're saying, Jesus, is that I can, I can come to you. And I did. And I, I began to interrogate the Bible in the same way that I interrogated police chiefs and presidential candidates. Yeah. And I got sucked into prophecy. And somewhere along the way, I got saved. And I don't know if it was, you know, when I had that shred of doubt as a teenager, I don't know if it's the first or the 50th time in the car when I said, I give my life to you, Lord. I don't know when it was, but all I know is he saved me. And when I had a recognition of his existence and a revelation of him in my own life and felt the Holy spirit in me, I was like, this is the best, this is the best story I've ever encountered. The best news story of all is the good news story. And it's changing my life every day. Yeah. Your, your approach to that. I mean, uh, uh, another thing you and I have in common is 
um, I was raised in church, but then I hit those high school years and and um, even going into college. And I ended up going to Wheaton College up by Chicago, which was a great place for me. But it, it was so great because the church I grew up in, it was kind of like God gave you a good mind, Phil, but if you keep asking really hard questions, he's going to take away your mind. And when God transplanted me in a different situation, where exactly like you're talking about with Thomas's encounter, where questions were not only allowed, if you're so weak that you need this, well, okay, but they were actually encouraged. But the invitation was be open with your questions, just be equally open to God's answers. And um, I love the authenticity of your conversion, where wherever it was, whatever moment it was, but it, it was clearly it was clearly a process of God drawing you to himself. That's really, really cool. It is. And I just, you know, I look back on these 50 years of my life and, you know, think I'm not the same person I was certainly when we moved here, but I'm also not the same Jennifer that I was five years ago. And I hope that I can look back if God willing, if I'm still here in five years and 10 years and say, I'm still, the God is still growing me. Mm -hmm. Like I am, he's continually growing qualities and, and fruit from my life. And I find that incredibly gracious of God. Wow. Um, you know, one of the, a few Easter's ago, I don't remember which year it was. Um, I preached a message on on Thomas, and you know the polarization that's going on in our country politically and every other way, and how we're going to handle COVID and yada yada yada. But but there's also a polarization, and it's not unusual. You and Scott, and you know, don't you ever doubt? Well, no, and and that's kind of more like my wife and me, and I would be the one asking the questions. But um, you know, it's. Just because faith comes easy to a person doesn't mean, well, you're really not very bright. You must not be intellectual. I mean, it just, for some people, it does. But also, because faith is a struggle to some, like Thomas, like you, than me, it doesn't mean that we're second-class Christians either, because when a person like that gets convinced, look out because the cost has already been counted up front. And uh, I just, I love hearing your story about that. Um, from your, Jennifer, from your writing, it's really obvious that you know the Bible well and that the Bible has a profound effect on your priorities. You know, a lot of times we'll just want to hear the story up to the point that somebody, all right, now I finally believe in Jesus, done deal, eternity set. But but how did God then take you from that point? I know you learned a lot about the scriptures early in church and all that, but but what was the path that he took you on for the Bible to become such a key influencer in your life in terms of your values and priorities? Yeah, um, I remember Scott and I both went to a retreat in our early 30s that was profoundly impactful for both of us. And uh, the word came alive very, very much at that retreat for both of us. And um, there was a season not long after that, that I, I could not get enough of reading the Bible. I, I would be blow drying my hair and reading the Bible. And I actually, I 
mourn that I don't that I don't hunger for the word in that same way, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't read the Bible now, but just the 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 I cannot get enough of this Bible that I have to be reading it at every moment. I just I couldn't wait to get back in and just devour it as if my life depended on it. And it did. And I know, you know, I know, I know naturally there are seasons where we go through, um, you know, kind of a deep dive into the scriptures. And then there's other times where it's hard to open the scriptures, depending on what's going on in life. Um, But I have found the scriptures to me to, to be the thing that, that drew me to God. It was the word, it was the, the, the Holy Spirit working through the power of his word. And I've always been a words girl. And so, I mean, there's that hymn. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory. I'm praying God, let story be my theme and glory. I mean, it's the reason underneath everything I write now. Mm. I used to write other kinds of news stories, but now the good news, news story is the story that I want to, to move out into the world. But even in the quiet places of my heart, I I so desire to, I want to be that blow dryer Bible reader again. I really, really do (laughs) because it was such an exciting time for me, but there's been different things that I do, um, in my Bible reading that have been really helpful for me lately. Um, and, uh, in one, in one of those it involves my daughters. Um, I, uh, during COVID, um, that year, Lydia, our oldest said, why don't we read the, through the Bible together in a year? And so she printed out the reading program and I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do it. And she was 18 at the time. And she's very, I knew she would do it. She just is one of those girls who doesn't just, you know, she doesn't make a resolution or right. start something unless she's sure she's going to finish it. And so it was really good because I had this built in accountability partner. So on January one, um, this was actually you no know, before COVID hit um, on January one, we both started in on this plan. And what she didn't know is that when I was going through the Bible, I was actually reading it with her in mind. So I began to write in the margins of a, a Bible, especially for her. Um, telling her the verses that have spoken to me throughout my life, the ones that have been a lifeline, Mm. ones that I wanted her to remember when I wasn't here anymore, Bible verses that have meant something special to people in our little country church, funny stories in there and, you know, encouragement for when I, when, when we run across hard things in scripture and encouragement to plow through Leviticus and why that book is so important. So like, this is just scratched up and I gave it to her at the end of the year. And I said, this one's yours. I read this one with you in mind. And now I'm doing it for Anna. I was going to say, you're going to have to take another (laughs) lap. um, I'm taking another lap. Or Anna is not going to be happy. Yeah. What that's done for me is um, to see the story in in its in its wholeness. You know, I used to just kind of pick a story, you know, on in the blow dryer Jennifer days, I was, you know, picking stories up here and there. But this kind of in-depth, uh, like across the whole scope of the story has been really helpful. And also to look at it through what do I want to pass on? Like what here means so much that I just want my daughters to grab hold of it with, with all that they can. So that's Mm. been a way that the story has been reigniting itself in my life again. That's so fantastic. You could not have just given a better endorsement for what our ministry does. I mean, 
we are walk through the Bible. That's exactly what we try to do is ignite people's passion for scriptures, but then give them a path to follow, whether that's going through the whole Bible in a year with our daily walk Bible or, or you know, engaging with smaller segments of it. But to hear the impact in your life of the scriptures and then passed on to the next generation, that's just one of the clearest testimonies that makes me want to get up early and come to work tomorrow. So um, thank you for the encouragement of that. I'm, I mean it, Jennifer. Oh, and I'm so grateful for for ministries like yours and for people like you, you who, like, I wonder even if our reading plan is a walk through the Bible reading plan, I I, I wouldn't be surprised, it's possible. but I'm telling you, it, it has been really uh, formative for me and continuing to uh, bring me more rootedness in in Christ in this season of my life and in this phase of the journey. And I'm super grateful mm. for it. Have you ever wanted to study the Bible for yourself? To really take a deep dive into scripture, but you didn't know how or where to start? We as believers need more of God's word than just what we get on Sunday or what we're taught by someone else in a small group study or Sunday school class. And at Walk Through the Bible, we often hear questions like, how do I actually study the Bible on my own? Where do I start? Our new free streaming series, Bible Study Simplified, will help to answer those questions and others with a simple process that will help people study and engage with scripture on their own. Bible Study Simplified is a four session video course that gives four easy steps to studying the Bible on your own. We're also providing a free downloadable guide that you can use again and again as you read and study scripture. Go to walkthrough.org simplified to watch the videos and download the free guide. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U.org slash simplified. Part of the overflow of, I think, you moving back closer to the land is it's hard to be an atheist and be a farmer. I mean, I mean, it is. There's so many things outside of our control. Our, our first church, we were in a town of 850 in the eastern part of Illinois, and I'd grown up in Bloomington Normal. My dad went to Iowa Wesleyan and then University of Iowa. State Farm recruited him out of there, and so he worked his whole career with State Farm. So I was surrounded by cornfields, but it wasn't until our first church that we were like, oh, this drives the whole economy. And um, pastor, I can't believe you haven't preached on the drought yet. And I'm like, does God say things about the drought? And, you know, as a, as a city kid, just having to have that orientation. And it's, it's hard to be an atheist there, but it's a lot easier to realize that the best things in life take a long time to grow. And yeah. harvest is usually farther off than we think it ought to be. Um, but, um, you have a phrase, your, your new book, uh, Growing Slow, there's, there's a phrase in the subtitle that I love about unhurrying your heart. When you say unhurrying your heart, um, unpack that for us. What, what yes. do you mean by that? <laughs> when I hear that phrase and when I say that phrase, it just makes me uh, have a nice exhale and it feels peaceful to me. 
it feels the way I feel when I stand at the edge of the field. It is the way I feel when here in a little bit, I'm going to hop on the tractor with Scott, who's just started to plant the back 80 here. It's, it's that way I feel this unrushed feeling when I was, um, in my previous career, um, I had a hurried heart. I was constantly in a hurry, constantly rushing from one thing to the next. And honestly, very candidly, when we moved to the farm, I, I became, I became that way again. Um, I'm just kind of a <laughs> type A overachiever, high capacity person, but even here on the farm, um, I've gotten that way in ministry. I've gotten that way. Like I got to get the next book mm-hmm. out. I got to do the next podcast. I got to make an Instagram post and a Facebook post. you know, all of a sudden I get all hurried and frazzled. And I realized that, um, it takes a toll on me physically. It takes a toll on my ability to sleep, the way my heart beats, the way I tense up, the way I interact and engage with people. Uh, you cannot hurry and connect with people at the same time. I can't hurry and connect with God at the same time. I can't hurry and connect with my kids at the same time. Like hustle up. We got to go. We're going to be late. There's no connecting that's happening there. I can't hurry through life and connect with my husband at the same time. I have to unhurry my heart and my whole being to be present with my husband, to be present with God to be present with friends. And it's a, it's something honestly, that does not come naturally to me because my bent is toward fast. Mm. My bent is toward let's get things done. And, and I, I am proud and, and delighted at different things that I've been able to accomplish, but I also need to calculate the cost because some of it has come with a cost. Mm. And so I, I am very deliberately in a season of, what does it look like to unhurry my heart, to slow down um, this this thought, these thoughts that are running through my mind and this racing that's happening in my heart and just really embrace the moment that I'm living in right now. Even this moment with you, Phil, like I this is I enjoy this. This is fun. Like we get to just be present with each other and talk about God. But if I'm like over here, you know, sending a text at the same time and maybe checking in the emails, which I could be doing and you wouldn't even know, like we wouldn't really be connecting. Right. No, that's right. So, that's right. So, you know, I, it's just it brings me joy to bring my whole self into a room, my whole self into the tractor, my whole self into a podcast episode or whatever it is. It's just a better way to live. It's so much more fulfilling. Yeah, the whole idea of multitasking is it's just such a joke. It's it, it, it really just divides focus like crazy. And um, I had a chance to learn that early on with our, our first child, Emily. I don't know, she was maybe two or three and was sitting in my lap. Probably she was three. And, and there's a game on in the background, and she's telling me something, and I'm I'm responding to her because I can I can listen to multiple conversations. I can take my wife on a date and tell you what every booth around us is talking about. It's a it's a blessing, but it's a curse. And and um, Emily goes, "Daddy, are you listening?" And I said, "Sure." And I proceeded to feed back to her her last sentence or two. And I'll never forget this. She took my face and she just kind of pulled it down, and she goes, "Daddy, listen to me with your eyes." Oh. And. Um, that was that was impactful. It wasn't as confrontational as the time when Ellen said to me, 
For the next 30 minutes, I want you to listen to me as if I had made an appointment to come to your office for counseling because mm-hmm. I am that important. Um, Emily mm-hmm. was more gentle than that, but <laughs> w- wow, wow. Uh, you already answered my next question because I really believe the best books, the best messages, the best stories are most times birthed out of pain. And um, I was going to ask you to take us inside that struggle, uh, but you've already done that. And um, that just that just confirms what is so often the case that 2 Corinthians 1 talks about in the area where God has comforted us is where we're then most able to comfort others. And um, Jennifer, you're, you're living that. The, your wow, ministry is you. the outflow of what he's building into your life. That's so cool. Yeah, I keep telling my publishers, I have an endless uh, amount of books that I can continue to write for you as long as I live because I have an endless amount of struggles. Yeah. <laughs> like all of these, like, you know, weird things that, and they're usually, you know, they're like personality quirks or, you know, like I've, I've struggled with wanting people's approval over God's approval. So my first book was about the love idol. people pleasing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I was dealing with, ha- you know, issues of, is it okay to be happy? And why am I not happy? And so then I wrote the happiness there. And then I'm a woman who's kind of a recovering control freak. So I wrote, it's all under control. And then I really could have in my heart of hearts written a book called growing fast, much easier right. than a book called growing slow, but certainly we write the books that we'd need the most. Mm-hmm. On, on that same theme, um, I, I read a blog post of yours, and I saw it was from May, and I read it, and I went, that is so, that is so perfect for right now. It was, it was about what parts of normal do we not want to go back to, and as a native of normal Illinois, anytime I see the word normal, my eyes just go to it, and so I, you know, I clicked on that one, and I opened it up, and I thought, that is just so perfect for right now, and then I was shocked to realize you actually wrote that in May a year ago. May of May yeah, of 2021. I yeah, I I wonder. Yeah, it was either it may have even been 2020. Yeah, I I don't know, but you were kind of writing it as we were starting to come out of COVID, and you know what what do we not want to go back to? And yeah, um, it that ministered to me over the weekend a lot because, um, you know, we thought we were out of it, then we're back in it, then we're out of it, then we're back into it, and I know it's. It's influenced a lot by where you live in the country and how your particular church has chosen to to deal with things. But with our ministry being so global, I mean, there's there's parts of the world that are still on on lockdown, and most of what we do is events in churches. And we had to pivot and you know and figure out how to distribute stuff digitally. And it's all going to be great for our long term future. But it's been it's been a hard couple of years, but but I, mm-hmm. I, I love the way you talk about um, it led to short naps because you're working at home. It led to, hey, we've got, we've got extended family time over a meal. Hey, there's a neighbor who's hurting. Let me, let me take her some, some groceries and all of those things. And I, um, I'm just trying to fit together now that now that COVID, I mean, my travel schedule's picked up again, probably yours has to, what's the biggest positive change? You, you call them gifts of the pandemic, which is, is so hard when you know people who have lost loved mm-hmm. ones 
through right. it, and certainly not to make light of that. But for for you and Scott and your daughters, um, but especially you personally, what's the biggest gift that God has brought to you through the last couple of years of really forced slowdown that now is going to be tested because it's not forced anymore. Now it's got to be choosing to live this way. What are, what are the biggest blessings you've experienced? Yes. Um, it, it is so wild to think about that time. I remember writing the last chapter that includes some of that in growing slow, actually, because I was writing the last chapters of growing slow while we were in enforced slowness. It was so weird. Mm. And I was writing it at just at the beginnings of things. And it was, you know, a time when people like in Manhattan were saying the birds are chirping louder now. Well, they weren't chirping. You could just hear them Mm -hmm. because there was no, none of the other noise and all of that. And, you know, for me, the, the gifts, a lot of the gifts honestly had to do with nature and God present with me outside of the door, because there were days when I, you know, I was like, I just like my whole speaking calendar was shot. I didn't, you know, people didn't want to buy my books because they needed to buy hand sanitizer and toilet paper. And I'm like, what's, you know, how, how do I, how do I do this? And it was, everything was just so different and so unsure. And I was worried about my parents and all of those kinds of things. Um, And I would, every day I'd be like, "I, I don't know a lot of things, but I know that if I, I have a front door that leads to a yard that leads to a field that's under a big open sky, and I can stand here and tip my face to the heavens and feel feel God's presence with me. And it was, it was powerful it, it, in its simplicity even. And I began to take daily walks, sometimes very long walks. And I saw parts of my world that I didn't even know existed. Mm. Like just within, you know, half a mile away, you know, I mean, I, I knew that the houses and I knew who owned land, but there were little surprises along the way of these de- dusty country roads that I have, I had honestly never taken a walk on before. And it caused me to physically slow down and appreciate this place where God has planted me. It was again, in that time that it was when I did that deep dive into scripture with, um, Lydia and being able to start at the beginning and end in the at the end and see the whole of it together. It, it gave me that get that gift. Um, I still feel that I have since then um, done a better job of connecting with people. Um, right now, I'm very much in the process of trying to renew friendships and relationships and making time for lunches and coffees and just little phone chats and sending cards and things that I started to do uh, a little bit more at the, in COVID where I was getting super creative about like, how can I love my neighbor well in this situation? And we don't have to do drive-by birthday port parties anymore. Thanks yes, be that's to a God. Good, good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we were so creative. Like how can we bless people around us? Like we so badly wanted to do that. And I'm grateful that that desire, I've taken that forward and still try to think creatively on how to connect and reconnect with people. Mm, yeah. I mean, church, church became like, it really is um, a family, a body not an organization, not a, not a weekly meeting, not a place. And um, I just, I'm with you. I hope we don't 
go all the way back to normal because normal was pretty abnormal when you mm-hmm. look at it. We just were, were numb to it and jaded. Um, thank you so much for this conversation. If, if you're listening to this today, I, I hope that you will check out some of Jennifer's resources. Uh, the best way to get to you is, is what? Just your, your main website, um, jenniferdukeslee.com. Is that the, the best way yes. to do it? And we'll Jennifer Dukeslee. And if you're on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Jennifer Dukeslee, both of those places. And I'm on there serving people around the world every day with mm. little mini devotionals just meant to encourage you. And sometimes just some silly stories or pictures of our family or something inspirational from the farm. So yeah. I am in those places every single day. Oh, that's great. And just, I mean, every now and then you meet somebody and you're kind of like, okay, that was not just a random meeting or something. I would not at all be surprised if if your ministry and walk through the Bible end up doing some stuff together in the future, because there's just a there's just a synced up heartbeat around how God's word changes us. Is is there anything I can pray for you about before I let you go today? Well, you know, I would love prayers for a couple things. A safe harvest for the farmers in our area. It's always a very dangerous time, honestly. It's a dangerous profession. Uh, for for rains to cease uh, and for the soil temp to rise so that we can plant these seeds. And then also um, on a personal level, our Anna is graduating a year early and uh, we weren't anticipating this um, and she's excited about it, but also nervous. And honestly, I am nervous too. I have a bit of worry and anxiety and also sorrow because I was planning on getting to have another year with Anna at home. And all of a sudden we're empty nesters. And I get it. I get it. Well, Father, thank you for this chance to meet Jennifer. And um, Lord, I just hear her, her mother's heart. And I know Scott's probably right there next to her feeling the same thing to to say goodbye to Anna a year earlier than they had pictured. Lord, use use this season. Use it in big ways. Help uh, help Jennifer to get her thoughts in Anna's Bible written down, that that can be a lifetime treasure and an heirloom that gets passed down to the generations like Lydia's. And um, Lord, that, that you would... We just all worry, have I taught them enough? Are they really ready? And Lord, thank you for the peace that comes from realizing you love our kids even more than we do. And you are worthy of our trust. And you can bring people into their lives when she goes away to Ames. Lord, there's there's people right there already that you are preparing to continue the work that Jennifer and Scott have been building into her. And Lord, we trust you with her life as well as Lydia's. And, and Father, I, I do pray for the planting season. Um, it seems so easy to just go to a grocery store and not see the process behind it, all the hard work of, of people who, such a small percentage of people who feed us as a whole nation and beyond our country. So, Lord, keep those men and women safe. And I do pray that the temperatures would be right and that the rains would come at the right time, but not so much that it keeps them from getting into the fields for harvest. And Lord, that that they would just have a rich harvest, but also a safe harvest. And that, um, Lord, you would use the work of their hands 
to um, feed many, many, many people, and even to be used by our country to make new friends in places where we aren't currently loved, Lord. Thank you that of all the metaphors, Jesus, you chose, you loved metaphors from agriculture. So did, so did Paul. And Lord, I pray whether we're in a huge city or living on a farm, we'd realize it's not the situation around us. It's the choices that we make that allow us to partner with you to grow slowly. So Lord, thanks for this conversation. And um, Lord, I pray that we would see tangible answers to prayer based on not just not just what Jennifer and I have been talking about, but what is in all of our hearts. We want to see you grow us in this kind of way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Jennifer, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Step Into the Story. As, as you listen to this, every couple of weeks we bring out a, a new episode, a new conversation. Tell your friends about it. Uh, leave, leave us a review. Share it openly. And um, above all, just keep praying um, that God would get it off the page and into our lives because it really is true that there is an intersection between each of our story and God's story. And it's not just giving you a place in our story, but it's us finding our place in your story. So we see you next time here on Step Into the Story. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk Through the Bible. Take a walk, change the world.